0: Okay, we are in week two of Undivided, and the reports and just the feedback we're getting from week one have been really good. Um, Some of you hate it, because you're really having to dig in and deal with stuff, but it's a good kind of hate. Um, And some of you are just loving the challenge and it's just the buzz is really good We are still selling books by the way if you still haven't picked one up Uh, and here we go with week two and Greg Boyd is Our speaker today Greg Boyd is not here in the flesh, but he's here on your video screens We didn't want to miss hearing his take on this material. He's he's one of the authors of the material So we just felt like it would be best coming from him. So what we did is we had him um, earlier on uh, video this and present it. No, we had him present it to the staff and we videoed it so that you guys could see it today. So you're going to see Greg on the screen. Don't go anywhere. It's just like him being here, but instead of seeing him here, you're seeing him there, which most of you look there anyway. So no biggie. So don't go anywhere. It's going to be really good. And then afterwards, we're going to have Terry Churchill come. And Terry is the other voice of the book. She, along with Greg, authored this material, produced this material that is just amazing. It's rocking my world. And I'm sure if you give it a chance, it'll rock your world too in a really great way. So Terry's going to come up. And the way that God uses her and gifts her, I am just in awe of. So... I just pray that you stay present and stay focused and stay alive and alert and ready to hear what God has to say to you, especially to you for today. So stay tuned. Here we go with Undivided.
1: Begin to experience love to a greater degree as we enter into the life Christ demonstrates that is full, unhindered, and simply free transform your fractured, chaotic life into something more, something undivided. The children. I've been neglecting all the children inside me. This one wants to play and this one is hungry and this one is angry and this one is coloring all over the wall in red magic marker the words I am here. I try to ignore their round unwashed faces. I stay busy and keep shushing them but their cries grow louder Their arms stretched out towards me. This one has a note crumpled inside a chubby fist. He says it's from Jesus, but I'm afraid to read it. What will he think about this noisy mess in me? I get even busier, humming a loud tune to drown out the children's songs, plugging my ears. I try to forget about that note as the children all cry at once. Finally that little boy nudges me hard enough to get my attention, and he smiles as I smooth out the paper and read the words, let the children come. I gather the children and begin to listen to them all, one by one, tucking them into their downy beds to dream children's dreams folded in heaven's arms silence.
2: Some of you, I'm sure, have seen the movie, the 1990s movie, The Kid. It stars Bruce Willis. It's about a man named Russell, a very driven man named Russell, who encounters his eight-year-old self just before his 40th birthday. He doesn't know how this eight-year-old self came into his life, but he's certainly not happy that he's there. In fact, he despises this little boy as someone who is fat, socially awkward, and stupid. He also doesn't know why this 8-year-old has shown up into his life. But a wise therapist friend suggests to him that maybe he's there to teach him something. We pick up the story here uh, as Russell's girlfriend has just... Discerned that the little boy staying with Russell is, in fact, a younger version of himself. Let's watch the clip. Stop biting.
1: Leave me alone. <coughs> I'm advertising terror and
0: bewilderment.
2: Holy smokes! 99 uh-huh. channels, and there's nothing on. How
1: can this be?
2: I have no idea. Look at him. It's so embarrassing.
0: You're not
1: embarrassing. You're adorable. Then you're adorable then.
2: Stop picking. Yeah, that haircut look like Herman's hermits I speak like I got a mouthful of spit
1: of course you do.
2: Doesn't the fact that I'm a pathetic dweeb make you despise me?
0: No why? do
1: you
2: despise you? When I look at him, all I see are awful memories. Memories I've been spending most of my life trying to forget. I'm sorry. Hi, Janet, it's me. I'm sorry to call so late. It's okay, Russ. I think you'll recover. I just want you to cancel all my appointments tomorrow and move them to Friday. something else i want you to find out why the full moon looks orange sometimes when it rises With something I think it might get you back to your time sure good anything about me yeah anything that'll take me back Hmm. you know how I like to find caterpillars and put them in jars and feed them and watch them make cocoons day they break out and it's really cool not a clue but keep going tell me some more stuff remember last summer at Joseph's birthday party when I got parmesan tea cheese stuck up my nose got any sixes? nope go fish got any fours? negative go fish Tell me some more about that. Sometimes he lets me help him work on the car. But if I do something wrong, he yells at me. Sometimes he buys me ice cream afterwards. But still, I don't like messing up. Like last week, I lost the screw. I was afraid to tell him. I found it later on in my pocket. Look, I still have it. I'm afraid to give it back to him. Got any nines? Mrs. Tinkleman. She was so much better than Mr. Lupus. He had that purple bump on his face. I don't remember the bump, guy. What grade was that? How come you're asking me all this stuff? Because I'm forgetting something. I'm forgetting this one event that meant something to me, and if I can remember that one thing, maybe I can get you home. Are you sure it's not the purple bump? It's not the bump, kid. (laughs) So why did the eight-year-old Rusty show up in the adult Russell's life. Russell finally learns that there was, in fact, something he needed to learn. He needed to remember something. He needed to learn something. There was a deep wound in the adult Russell's life that had always been there that he needed to have healed. In the course of that, Russell had to learn why he'd become such a narcissistic, self-absorbed jerk He had to learn how he had become, why he had become an obsessive workaholic and a perfectionist. Why he always had to appear so strong and invincible. He had to learn how he got that twitch in his eye whenever he gets animated, this nervous twitch. There was someone he had to learn how to embrace and someone he had to learn how to forgive. I think, like, like Terry's poem, that movie. Is a poignant metaphor for the reality of our inner world. Inside every one of us, there's a world of thoughts and memories, a world of of needs and dreams, regrets, hopes, worries, and cravings. And every one of them clamors for attention like a little child. The children of our inner world, this one wants to play and this one is hungry. And this one is angry. And this one is coloring all over the wall in red magic markers the words, I am here. Now, Unfortunately, we have been conditioned to neglect these children, to ignore them, to pretend like they're not even there. Part of our culture is a conditioning to give far more importance to the outer world than our inner world. What's important is what people can see, what we get recognition for, what we get kudos for what helps our status in society. And so we tend to have our attention and energy poured toward the outer world and neglect the inner world. We dismiss those nudges, those promptings, that inner voice, those inner aches and pains, because no one else sees them and no one else feels them. And so it gets registered in our cultural conditioning as something that must be relatively unimportant. Plus, it takes time. It takes time, even hard work, to learn how to listen to that inner world, it takes time. As, as, as Russell uh, learned, he had to clear his schedule to just hang out with that child. And that's time that we could spend on, quote-unquote, more productive things, like earning money and paying bills and shopping and watching t- television. Not only that, but I think, like Russell, uh, sometimes we don't want to hear what those children inside have to say to us. In fact, maybe like Russell, some of us loathe one of the children inside of us. Some of us are afraid of what some of those children might bring. On some level, we know that if we are to pay attention to what this child has to say, if we're going to follow that ache in our heart down the rabbit trail, well, it just might unleash something that will turn our world upside down, and we're afraid of that. Yet the reality is that every one of these kids on the inside... Every one of the voices in the inner world, they they, they come with a crumpled note in their hand. And that hand says, let the children come. It's so important that we do let them come. The reality is that we will never acquire an undivided kingdom heart and move towards a holistic kingdom life unless we take time to listen to our heart. Some Christians uh, I think, think it's God's job just to sort of magically transform us. It's God's job to come in and, and, and take away what needs to be taken away and install what needs to be installed. And so a lot of Christians are waiting for God to show up and give them an undivided kingdom heart. They're waiting for God just to show up and supernaturally take away uh, their, their lust or take away their, their gambling addiction or take away their greed or take away whatever, whatever other thing in their life uh, shouldn't be there. There's others who dismiss this whole idea of being a disciple of the inner world, as a disciple of your heart. They dismiss that as psychobabble. And they would say, well, you just got to trust God, and God's going to do it all. But see, God doesn't operate that way. It doesn't work that way. Now, you know, it's true, importantly true, that, that without the Holy Spirit operating in our life, we could never make any progress in becoming more Christ-like. God dwells within us, and he's always moving us in that direction. But it's also true that we as disciples of Jesus have a very important role to play in that transformation process. God the Holy Spirit empowers us to take every thought captive to Jesus Christ. But it's our job to respond to that empowerment by actually doing it. It doesn't happen magically by itself. And if we don't respond to God's continual empowerment through the Holy Spirit in our life, we don't become disciples of our inner world, it can't help but undermine the transformation process that God wants us to go through. We won't acquire an undivided kingdom heart and acquire holistic kingdom lives unless we're willing to listen to what the children and our hearts are trying to teach us. Their unattended crying voices clutter our soul. Their clamoring creates this perpetual sense of uneasiness if we don't attend to it. And they pull us in different directions. We become fragmented. Uh, The voices within us, they're like little children who are tugging at our sleeves and they'll pull us one way or another. And if we don't attend to them, we're internally divided. We are like James says in the book of James. uh, We're double-minded. You may sincerely want to be a person who's undivided in your passion for God and your love for others, but you'll invariably find yourself fragmented with other priorities jumping in unless you take the time to listen to what's going on in your heart. You may sincerely want to be free, free of your bondages, free of your thought patterns, free of your bitterness and hatred. Uh, you, you, may, you may sincerely want to be conformed to the image of Christ, but you'll always find yourself getting derailed by forces and, and influences that you don't even understand until we pay attention to what's going on in our heart. You can be, aspire to be a united, whole kingdom person, but there'll always be a gulf between what Scripture says is true about you and how you experience yourself as being, there'll always be that golf, unless we take the time to become a disciple of our own heart, a disciple of the inner world, we'll always be fragmented. This one wants to play, and this one is hungry, and this one is angry, and this one is coloring all over the wall in red magic marker the words, I am here. Take a look at the verse that we started off with, Proverbs Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Above all. That means that this is our first and primary responsibility, to guard our heart. Now, the Hebrew word for guard there does not simply mean protect against an enemy, but it has the connotation of cultivating something, nurturing something, taking care of something. To guard your heart includes listening to those children inside. And the reason it's so important is because the heart is the wellspring of life. Everything we're about flows out of our heart. The quality of our kingdom life is determined not by the fortunate or unfortunate circumstances we happen to find ourselves in, it's determined by the quality of our heart. The peace of our life will never outrun the peace of our inner soul. The unity of our life will never outrun the unity of our soul. The wholeness and beauty of our life can never outrun the wholeness and beauty of our heart. It's our first and primary responsibility because it influences everything. Our primary obligation. We have a lot of obligations to the outer world, for sure, and they're important. But what has to trump all of them is the obligation, the responsibility, the kingdom call that we have to guard our heart to attend to our heart, to cultivate our heart, to listen to our heart. We have obligations to, uh, to our families, to love and to nurture our spouses and families and friends. But as important as those are, even more important is the obligation, the commitment we have to nurture our own heart. We have obligations to our employer, our church, our neighbors, the poor, and many other things. But our first and foremost, our f- most fundamental responsibility is to cultivate, nurture, and guard our own heart, to listen to those children. We have an important responsibility to proclaim the good news of God's love to the entire world. But our first responsibility is to proclaim and bring the good news of God's love to the children, to the inner children. The truth is our lives will only reflect the good news of God's love to the extent that the kids in our inner world are, as Terry so beautifully put it, tucked in their downy beds, and allowed to dream children's dreams as they sleep in heaven's arms. But to do this, we have to regularly clear our schedules and make time just to listen. As happened with Russell in the movie, sometimes if we're open to it, we'll find that a child sort of just barges into our life to get our attention. In fact, I I had this happen to me one time. I've shared this Uh, Experienced several times before at Woodland Hills Church, but it illustrates the point so well that I think it bears repeating. At the age of 33, something similar to what happened with Russell happened to me. Uh, We had hired a babysitter to come over so my wife and I could go out on a date, and it was around Christmas time. And this was a babysitter that I uh, knew as a student at Bethel and had told her about our family. And when she came over, she came over with Christmas presents, Unfortunately, she forgot that we have three children and she only brought two presents. And so she gave, she announced that she has Christmas presents and gave a Christmas present to uh, my uh, oldest daughter and then my younger daughter. But there's none for Nathan, who was four at the time. And Nathan, hearing that there's Christmas presents, was jumping up and down and flapping his arms like he always did. When I realized that she didn't have a Christmas present for him, something happened inside of me. There was this 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 uh, deep emotion, anger mixed with grief that just sort of came up. It just, it shocked me. It was way out of proportion uh, to the circumstances. But I asked her, where's Nathan's present? And she said, I'm sorry, I, I forgot that you had a son. And so, though I was fighting back a lot of emotion, I turned to Nathan and I did what any good Christian uh, parent would do. I, I lied. <laughs> I said, oh, she has a present for you. Uh, it's in the, the bedroom. Actually, it wasn't a lie because there was a present that she was going to give him in the bedroom. And so I took her in, in our bedroom and got out of our closet uh, some of the toys that we had already bought uh, for Christmas, and I gave her this really nice truck. And I said, I'm giving this to you, so now you can give it to him. And so it's coming from you. And so she went out and gave him that present, and Christmas was saved, and he was ecstatic. But I was really puzzled by that emotion that, that, That's the way the, the kids inside talk to us They, they, they just show up And they, they give nudges you, you feel something different uh, Sometimes it's a reoccurring thought pattern or it's, it's a wellspring of Maybe it's anxiety or maybe it's, it's, it's sorrow But there's something there And so the next day The next day I, I was praying about this Lord, Lord, what is that about? Clearing the schedule to listen to the children What is that about? And as I was in prayer, I I all of a sudden went back to a scene. It was a memory that I don't remember ever remembering. It happened when I was around three years old. And and so for 30 years, I I don't remember ever thinking about this. But I had this scene, and it was a scene of uh, my grandmother coming through uh, the front door. My mom had died um, about 10 months earlier, and my grandmother was in charge of taking care of us. And so she came through the front door, and she announces she has Christmas presents And so there's four of us kids, and we all gather around, and I'm jumping up and down, flapping my arms, just like Nathan did. And she gives this beautiful doll to my oldest sister, and another doll to uh, my younger sister, and a tugboat to my brother. And I'm just so excited, I'm about ready to pop. And I look into the bag, and um, uh, there's nothing there. And my older sister says, Grandma, doesn't Greggy get a present? And I look up at my grandmother, and she's got this scowly, angry, angry look on her face. And she goes, no. Greggy doesn't get a present because Greggie's a bad boy, and bad boys don't get Christmas presents. And as I'm viewing this scene in prayer, it just kind of is there. I just begin to bawl. I know that memories can sometimes be false, and so I went and checked out with my older sister, who was 11 at this time, whether this actually happened or not. Or was it just something I was you know, dreaming up? In fact, it did happen, not exactly as I remembered it, but this is the way my three-year-old brain registered it. And as we're going through this scene, I, I just begin to cry. As I look back on my life, uh, I can see how that child was coloring on the walls with red magic markers with the words, I am here and I am bad. And how he was present for 30 years doing that trying to get my attention this forgotten toddler was always pulling on my sleeve to live out the message I am bad there was always a pull unconsciously didn't know about it but a pull to, to, to being mischievous I always felt uneasy unless I was getting in some trouble unless I was breaking some rule even as a child in Catholic school I remember on the one hand I, I really wanted to be good I wanted to go to heaven I, I, wanted to, I, I prayed a lot I, I really sought God in, in, the, in so far as I could understand him there was that side of me but invariably I found myself always being bad and incurring the wrath of the nuns the little the little Greggie was writing on the walls with red markers I am bad When I got older and surrendered my life to Christ, I learned that I was a child of God and I learned that I'm holy and blameless, that that is really my true nature. And I sincerely longed to live the life that was pleasing to Abba Father. But my ability to live that out was compromised because this little child was clamoring for attention. As an adult, I knew and believed the good news of God's love. But there's a little kid inside of me who's still living in the lie. That he was bad. And as I've shared before at Woodland Hills Church, I, I invited Jesus in, into that memory and he brought tremendous healing. This is one of the ways that our conversations with the children can go. Uh, initially, for, for a certain amount of time, Jesus would just be part of this memory and I'd go there in prayer. And, uh, and he would weep for this child, for the, for the innocence that was stolen from him on that day. Uh, and just seeing him weep and experiencing him weep as I wept, uh, already began to reverse the lie. And this is a child who was worth Jesus crying over. And then there came a time where Jesus just brought about a total healing by revising that memory. God doesn't change the past, but he changes the meaning of the past. By giving us representations of, of what he would have done in that circumstance. And so there was one time in a time of prayer where I went back and saw that episode again. And it played out just as it always had. My grandmother comes in, announces that she has birthday uh, uh, Christmas presents. And she gives the doll to my older sister, a doll to my younger sister, a tugboat to uh, my brother. I'm jumping up and down frantic with excitement. I look in the bag and, and uh, now something different happens. There's nothing there. And my sister says... Doesn't Greggy get a present? And I look up, but now I see not the face of an angry grandmother. I see the radiant, joyful, loving face of Jesus. I'll never forget those eyes of love. First thing that caught my attention is I look up, eyes of love. And Jesus Jesus reaches over and kind of muffles up my hair and says, Of course Greggy gets a present, because Greggy is a good boy. And then I look down on the bag and there's this big airplane there, this red airplane. And I remember that red airplane. I, I, there's one Christmas where I, that was the main thing I wanted was this p- particular red airplane and for some reason I didn't get it. I, I remember that. I was just disappointed. But now I get my red airplane. Jesus heals all the wounds. I could finally now tuck little Greggy into his downy bed to dream children's dreams folded in heaven's arms. It's so important that we nurture our heart. It's so important that we make our inner world our highest priority. It's so important that we regularly clear the schedule to listen to our heart. It's vital that we give those clamoring children the attention they need. Now, they speak in in a million different voices, and, and... each one is unique and each of us are unique. Sometimes it can, they can speak, as, as it happened with me, with, with a memory that all of a sudden comes back. Or it could be a memory that keeps on reoccurring. Pay attention to that. But most often they speak, or at least we hear them, because we've, we, we've gotten good at neglecting them. So we often just hear them as gentle nudges. Or it could be a tinge of sorrow that is sort of gnawing at our heart. Or it could be a, a, a sense of weariness or anxiety in our spirit. Or it could be a picture that just seems to pop up randomly now and then. It could be a lot of different things. In fact, the truth is that, that everything that goes on in our inner world is there for a reason. And therefore is like one of these children who deserves attention, who needs attention. We need to listen to our heart. I encourage us to spend time listening, asking the Holy Spirit to bring to the surface what needs to be brought to the surface, inviting the children to teach us. It's not a process that can be rushed. Uh, Russell had to hang out for a long while with his little boy before he began to really learn what the boy was there to teach him. It can't be rushed. And I want to say, whenever you discern something in your heart that maybe is scary or maybe ugly, Whenever you see a child that maybe you've always run away from, a message that you loathe and that you've spent your life trying to forget, I encourage us to not judge that child. Don't spank the child. Don't get mad at the child. Don't get frustrated with the child. No, the child is your friend, and there's something there to be learned. I encourage us to remind ourselves of God's love and to not fear whatever we're going to find there. Often we avoid that because the accuser has gotten in there and brought about shame. Now trust in God's love and let the children come. And then when you learn what you need to learn, you and Jesus can then tuck the child in his downy bed to dream children's dream, resting peacefully in heaven's arms. God bless you. And God bless your children.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Terry Churchill. And I collaborated with Greg to bring you the Undivided material. He's a good friend of mine. And he asked me to come today and lead you in a meditation, and I'm trying really hard not to resent him for that. <laughs> I'm a terrible introvert, and I'm a lot more comfortable being that disembodied voice reading my poetry. In the beginning, um, in fact, for the last couple of services, I've kind of imagined that we're just in a tiny little prayer chapel, and there's about ten or two of you out there. <laughs> And that's been good for me. And you can imagine that, too, if that's helpful. There's a couple things I wanted to say before we begin. Uh, First, the focus of the material this week is on clearing out some of your internal clutter so that you're more available to love God and love others and love yourself. And as Greg said, that's a process. That doesn't happen quickly. There's no magical meditation or uh, exercise or action that you can take that will take care of that. Um, And so you're going to need to take your time. The goal of the meditation today is just to begin that process and give you a way of approaching that. Uh, We want to help you to be a better listener to your heart so that you can be more responsive to those notes that your soul sends you. So that's the first thing. The second thing, Greg spent a lot of time talking about childhood (laughs) wounds that might be cluttering up your internal world, but there's other kinds of soul clutter that you might bump up against. And so, I don't want you to think, oh my gosh, I'm gonna, this <laughs> big childhood wound's gonna come up. Sometimes it's just worries, anger, bitterness, resentments, all kinds of things can be sort of mucking things up in there. So, rather than being uh, anxious about what you might find, just be open to what actually is there. That's the second thing. Uh, and the third thing is just kind of some tips. A lot of people find that when you, um, do meditations like this it's helpful to have your eyes closed but if that's not comfortable for you you can keep your eyes open and I don't want you to worry if your mind wanders or if you become distracted there's a lot of people in here you might hear shuffling or noises or something like that if you get distracted just gently bring yourself back to the meditation so with those things in mind let's begin close your eyes if that's comfortable for you And imagine that you're sitting at a large round table that's low enough for a child to sit at. Invite Jesus to sit at this table next to you. He loves you so much, and he's so glad to be at this table with you. On the floor next to you, there's a large cloth sack with your name on it. That contains everything that's been taking up space in your heart and mind. When you're ready, pick up the bag and dump out the contents so that it's all on the floor or on the table in front of you. And now, safe in God's love for you and His infinite patience, just notice what's there. You might see objects that represent the various things taking up space in your heart. You might experience a series of thoughts or memories. You might hear sounds or voices that represent your soul clutter. Or you might just experience a feeling rising up in you with very little in terms of images. It doesn't really matter. Just notice what comes up for you as you dump everything out. remember not to judge what you find. Notice if there's anything that seems to need some loving attention. Remain open to any feelings that might come up or any nudges from the Lord. And listen for God's heart for you. When you're ready, place that bag in Jesus' lap and begin clearing the table together. Thank God that you belong to Him and that He's glad to share your burdens. You can return to this exercise periodically throughout the week you'll be able to take your time with it on your own and just develop a habit of bringing everything in that bag, all of your concerns, all of your busyness and everything that's taking up space in your mind and heart and just bring it to Jesus and listen just listen to what he has for you And to end, I'm just going to pray the prayer from your undivided book. Lord, sometimes it hurts to just show up. Sometimes it's painful to just be here. Help us to stay anyway and to listen for your voice and to receive the notes you slip into our hands. Come, Lord, with visions and dreams and whispers that accompany souls turn towards you. We're here. Amen. I want to invite the prayer team to come. If there's anything at all you need prayer for, if any of this, these meditations stirred something in you, you're welcome to come and receive prayer. I want to bless all of you. Have a good week.